Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creator and the most relaxed man on the planet, Stephen Ingram, about what comics he would take into a solar storm reset apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, where you can read comic news and become part of a community of fellow comic lovers. To find out more, be sure to visit comicscene.org. Also, on a side note, if you enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as it not only let me know, uh, lets me know that you actually like the show, uh, but I believe that helps make other people aware of the show as well through kind of you know the recommendation algorithm that they've got going on on all of that jazz. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Stephen Ingram. How's it going? Hello there, Sam. How you doing? I'm well, thanks, mate. I'm well. I've had a busy day, I tell you. Um, I've I've been up to Sheffield and back, and I live in Winchester, so it's a you know seven hour round trip. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it's it quite a mission, but uh, it is it is it was well worth it. Uh, it's a it's, it's a nice place, Sheffield is. But uh, yeah, how, how's your day been? Yeah, it's been okay. Uh, I've just had a, a day at home today, and just been out walking the dog and. Did a bit of shopping down at Tesco and that, so um, nice. It was fairly chill day, fairly chill. Lovely, lovely. Um, and for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, um, what do you do in the world of comics? Uh, well, I uh, make my own comics. Um, I've just not long finished a, a comic called Old Man Grey, which was on Kickstarter recently. Um, just finished like a couple of weeks ago and funded which is thank goodness yeah congratulations uh, it's about a, a guy who um wants to like he's he's a 60s music folk musician and he's on his way to a concert and while trying to take a shortcut through the wilderness ends up uh crashing his car and has to accept help from some uh, suspicious locals Mm-hmm. and um that may not be the smartest choice for him <laughs> so very uh league of um what was it like, league of gentlemen yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see local yeah yes mm, maybe not maybe not yeah, yeah. <laughs> fantastic and uh when when is that available to the public because as you say kind of the um kickstarter campaigns finished for that mm-hmm. um but yeah when's it when's it available for the public um it should be maybe in a month or so um after Great. we're recording this uh so probably mid mid-october because like i've got to like get everything sent out but i just got yeah. like the um the package of books from cpuk today mm-hmm. so they'll be oh, nice. starting, I'll be starting to send them out soon and then yeah yeah, then it can go on the shop after that, and I'll have it probable this year. So, oh, as well, yes, of course, because we were saying before that we'll both be at Thought Bubble this year, yeah. so it's going to be really good to to connect in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what what's the link for your shop? Sorry, Stephen. Um, you can go to uh, stephenengram.art, and that's my website. And there's a link to the shop on on there as well perfect um and then i assume people will be able to get through to your to your facebook and twitters and and all that jazz uh, as well yeah it's got all the wee logos and stuff from that but um i'm just at stephen ingram art on all of them yeah amazing oh yeah so you, you claimed that one yeah, managed to um, simple, which, nice which is useful oh that's very useful very useful and of course all those links from the show notes folks mm-hmm. um but in, in addition to being a comic creator mm-hmm. um you do something else as well don't you uh, yes I, I also i recently started a distro site uh called it's also planning to as well as being a distro i'm also planning to publish other people's works but there's no announcement about any of that stuff yet um, yeah but the distro site is thirdbearpress.com. And what I'm currently doing with that is get taking English language indie comics that would maybe be difficult to get over here in the UK 
um, and bringing up bringing them over in reasonable amounts, and then it means I can sell them in the UK without uh, the cu the customer spending a lot on shipping, which is a big problem at the moment. Yeah. If you're wanting to buy Massive. stuff from, like, say, the US, mm. or the latest, like the Ignatz comic winners, or the Ignatz award winners at SPX, which is in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'll hopefully, hopefully have a few of them over uh, on the way over. Great. To buy them in the UK without too much shipping. Fantastic. Um, and what really kind of in, inspired you to do this? Um, it's just because it's, it's it's not like a it's not a simple thing to do. It's quite an undertaking. Yeah. Um. And and takes some guts. So congr well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I suppose like my what inspired me to do it was just wanting these comics myself and going mm -hmm. on to um, like individual artists or small press publishers websites over in the US adding a bunch of stuff to the cart and then it's like 40 50 pound shipping for a couple of books or something it's like yeah I'm sure I can do yeah. sure we can do better than that so <laughs> and then suddenly you realize if you get them wholesale then um, the amount you're spending in shipping can like can be absorbed in selling the rest like at a normal price in a nice. year with the shipping reduced like spending them in the UK. So that's that's nice. the idea behind it. Um I'd love it if people bought some books on it. So thirdbearpress.com and at thirdbearpress on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. There we go. Get them in early fantastic um and what, what what's the uh inspiration behind the name um third bear is uh he was a character in a comic i used to do like years ago it was like a a gag comic and he would be a character that kind of appeared in the background um mm. observing things and occasionally influencing the narrative but mostly just <laughs> the background he was a little, I don't know, he wasn't like the greatest character, but he looks really nice as a logo, and I like the name. And I also like used the name as a, a musical project a couple of years ago that never went anywhere. Cool. Um, cool. So I just wanted to keep, I like the name, so I've kept using it. Yes. Yeah. No, it's really fitting. Um, so yeah, no, um, folks, go definitely go check out. Um, I mean, go check out Stephen's art for a start, um, and then head on over to, to thirdbearpress.com um, to to check out some um, some seriously indie US uh, comics that you can get a lot cheaper than you would um, if you'd plan to kind of yeah try and source it from the US itself. Um, so yeah, definitely go that. And you say that um, you've got ambitions to actually uh, become a publisher yourself. Yeah. And would that would that be um, overseas creators or UK based um, creators? UK based creators, uh, and I'd, yeah, I would be mainly be UK based creators. I think I would be wanting to to work with um, to start yeah. off with, and then nice, we'll see where it expands to in the future, but. Yeah, I, nice. I, the idea would be to work with UK creators first, because yeah. then I suppose when you're starting out, you want at least the possibility of meeting them in person to yes. discuss or <laughs> um, talk about your art and stuff. So yeah, that's that's the idea. Fantastic. And would, would there be any particular genre or um, any particular, um, you know, style that you're wanting to go for i suppose like i mean my my tastes kind of run towards the kind of thing that wouldn't look out of place on like drawn and quarterly's lineup or fantagraphics that kind of thing and um, mm -hmm. so something with like an indie vibe but with something to say um yeah. that's the kind of thing that i'm, I'm looking for fantastic and uh just so that people will get a uh, a flavour for for what you're going to choose. We we're just about to go through your your comic choices <laughs> for the apocalypse. Yeah. So uh, hang about, folks, and you'll get a real insight into into what Stephen likes. Um, now that aside, I do have some bad news for you before before we do that. No, and that is that the sun 
has out of nowhere emitted, uh, well, has had a solar storm and has emitted a um, an electric magnetic pulse uh, that has waved across the globe um, and has uh, completely wiped out all electronics, uh, known as a so- solar storm reset apocalypse. So my question for you is, what is your action plan for survival in uh, this new world of zero electronics? Yeah, this is a this is a difficult one. Uh, uh, <laughs> I would I had to do a bit of research about what this actually meant. Um, yeah. So from what I understand, it's basically well, all electronics are out. So like the main issue is that all like communications are screwed up. Like you're not going to be able to use your phone to call anyone you're not going to be able to go on the internet to find directions you're not going to be able to do anything that involves electricity at all i suppose that also includes things like not being able to store your food in your fridge and, oh, yeah. or cook your food in electrica um, although you could probably use your gas i guess if you if you have a gas hob yeah. so tins of baked beans that would be useful um, but from what what the angle I've I've come at it from for trying to survive is the electronic communications being out, and so what's the best way to disseminate information um, without electronics? And that is, from my mind, zines. So my idea is that I will right. be um, collecting useful information from people and turning them into zines and distributing them that way. That's that's my idea. It's going to be like a little zine about how to, um, or like the best canned goods to loot from the supermarket. Or... Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> best way to like how to make a fire to cook your baked beans over brilliant or um the or a, a zine that is also like um directions they make like google maps but it's a zine <laughs> yeah totally and get it get it distributed uh, that's fantastic um, I love I love that idea. I wasn't expecting that at all. That's brilliant, Stephen. Um, have you have you got any ideas for a name? Uh, God, I'm not, for I haven't it. thought that far ahead. I don't know something like uh, <laughs> or the non-electronic review or something. I don't know. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, there you go. That'll do. That's fantastic. Um, and uh, yeah, no, in in the non-electronic review. Um, what happens is that um, you you become basically like uh, a celebrity in this new era, um, and the the people kind of write back to you as fans and things like that, and they they want to find out about what comics that you're into, really, and they remember this podcast called Comics for the Apocalypse, and they ask you to do this, but in written <laughs> format. Um, and the uh, and the first question that they ask you is, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? Uh, it was obviously like the the first comics thing I kind of really got into was like the kind of humor humor comics. I remember getting like the Beano and to a lesser extent the Dandy as a kid, but I suppose the one that mm. was really formative for me was reading like Calvin and Hobbes but like when it was coming out in the newspapers um good thing. Oh, great um, what newspaper was it was coming in, out in the UK the ones that my parents used to get at the time was the Daily Express during the 80s yeah. um I don't know if there was right. any of the other papers cool. I imagine it probably would have been because you know, it was a big strip yeah because you get syndicated all, right all around yeah. the place but I we had it in the Daily Express, and um, one story that I particularly remembered enjoying, or affecting me anyway, like reading it day to day, 
was one where Calvin's like Calvin uh, has to go out with his mum and dad for like I think it's to a meal at the restaurant, but they forget to bring Hobbs, um, and so Calvin's like, oh, "No, man. we've got to go back for Hobbs," and they're just like, his parents are just like, "No, we're not going back for your stuffed toy. We're just gonna go down and have a nice meal." So they go out for their meal, and when they come back, the house has been burgled, and so. Calvin is obviously oh, in a panic about Hobbes, which makes his mum and dad in a panic about Hobbes. And you can read that obviously like in the like the collections today, but as we say, you can then today you can just read them one after the other. But having that as like a serialized story in the newspapers day to day, it was quite tense. Um reading that over like a couple of weeks and you're like, What's where's Hobbes? <laughs> Yeah, did Hobbs yeah, right. You left on tenor by burglars, or what? I think it, I think it turned out he was just like Pretty upstairs tough. in Calvin's room or something. So there was no um, massive worry about <laughs> Hobbs, but the TV did get stolen. So that was all, that was probably the second worst out- outcome Pretty for tough. Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> But that's like, was it was it weekly? I think it was, at that it was stage, daily. or was it daily? In fact, it's quite possible. Like, my parents didn't yeah. get a paper for a day or so, and then you're like, oh no, what happened in yeah. times? And yeah. gosh, yeah. Um, and and how old were you? Sorry, at this point, Steve, probably six or seven. Um, when the... wow, and it's so yeah. it's so real in your mind, like stories like that. Um, aren't they at that age? Um, and uh, yeah, it can, it can really affect you. I mean, it, stories affect us all at every age, but like particularly when you're six or seven, and you're yeah, wondering exactly. where you know Hobbs has gone. Like <laughs> mm. it's really real, <laughs> crazy. Um, so um, you're six or seven. You're you're reading, you know, Dandy, Dandy, mm. and really Calvin and Hobbs. Um, and so from there. Um, are you just drawing non-stop or um, how how did you really kind of get into yeah, well, creating I, comics I, yourself? I was drawing a lot at the time. I was I drew a lot as like a, a kid, but um, I never really, I was there like right. I read these comics, like it was mainly like newspaper style gag comics. Really. Um, mm. And like my my dad would sometimes get he would get like the Calvin and Hobbes collections and and then he sort of moved on to Dilbert I think when he was because um, he obviously liked the, the kind of work comics uh, was office based humor was um, meant stuff to meant something to him at the time um, and mm. but at the time I it took me a long time to actually say oh maybe I could make some comics. Uh, so I never actually made my first strips until I was about fourteen. Um, right, and they were like this. I suppose it was just kind of things that you would the preoccupations of teenage boys. <laughs> uh, it's like um, <laughs> strips about you know school. And, um, looking back at them, there some of them are a bit kind of. Um, the story, the storytelling is a bit wild, as in, like, suddenly this random stuff comes in, and uh, there's one suddenly, like, the sure the main character who's called Gerald, I think, um, he's, like, suddenly he's got, like, a superhero alter ego, and then his uh, pal comes in to uh, help him solve a mystery, and it's, like, the intergalactic space sheep. Um, yeah, it was strange stuff. <laughs> but Brilliant. Fun. It's not the kind of like I remember <laughs> going back and reading some like a little while ago as an adult. And going, I couldn't do that now. I couldn't write that. It's too wild. Uh, I wouldn't be able to write something like that now. Yeah. So it's I suppose it's like a of its time. But um, yeah. I, yeah, it's it's interesting reading stuff when you kind of write as a 
as a teenager to try and like put yourself back in in the shoes of of that young man um it's uh it's interesting isn't it um but yeah no you should you should yeah, post yeah. some of that on uh online we'll see. that'd be that'd be interesting <laughs> Uh, <laughs> or is it incriminating? It's not very good, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all funny games. Uh, but that's great. Um, and so then, so that's kind of where you really started to try and create your own comics. Um, and then um, where, did, where did it lead you from there? So I'd, yeah, I'd been making those, I suppose like my preoccupation as a, young comic creator was to try and be funny because that's what i'd read mostly growing up was funny comics um and so yeah i I was drawing like those strips as a teenager and then i think when i started going to uni i started doing like another humor strip um and it was on it was online for a while but it was on like an old geocities account so um, it's it's lost to the winds (laughs) of the internet and it's probably for the best (laughs) looking back at some of the (laughs) stuff that I wrote at the time it's like yeah I wouldn't find it's not the kind of stuff you'd find funny now Um, not like it's bad or not like it's like offensive or anything it's just it seems really. Um, it was obviously uh, influenced a lot by those kind of family-oriented um, humor strips from news from newspapers, and it's a right. kind of like tame humor, I guess, um, with like a little bit of a little mm. bit of an edge maybe thrown in now and again, but yeah, pretty tame, I would think, and like one. Well, I suppose one of the comics I was going to maybe talk about later um, that I'll just tease it for now, but I've came across it in a, in a Waterstones and um, read and looked at it, picked up and thought, oh, that's pretty interesting. I'll buy that. And I took it home and read it and thought I could do something like this. I, sh- I should do, I sh- this is the kind of thing I should be doing. And then, but I'd still, I still kept doing some like humor strips for a while, and then like a couple of years later, I think I'd sort of honed what I was thinking about for more serious stories. That ended up mm. writing the kind of comics that I make now, which is more narrative based and uh, more trying to get a emotional emotional response from the reader rather than just a laugh. That's that's where um, my sort of comic making journey led me at that time. Um, yeah, started off doing humor strips and then moved to more serious comics um, that I make nowadays. Awesome, um, and then um, obviously, yeah, you, you mentioned Old Man Grey before. Um, and then have you have you got any other projects in the in the pipeline? Um, I'm currently working on a comic that I'm posting on my Patreon at the moment. Uh, it's called Burn With Me, which is about a woman who's just recently got out of prison uh, after committing like a a terrible crime as a teenager, and so she's been released and she's going back to the hometown that she lived in as a as a teenager and uh, and it's this comics about the sort of reaction of the town to her coming home but also her reconnecting with a friend that she knew at school who may or may not have influenced her to do what she did mm. well so that's um the comic that i'm working on at the moment um, that's awesome and how how far in are you into that one? Um, I'm not 100 percent sure of like the final page count yet, but yeah, yeah. I think I'm probably approaching halfway from where I've drawn, and it's maybe two thirds from what's on the web on like Patreon now. That's fantastic. 
um because yeah like listening to and you, you recently did a interview with um the awesome comics podcast and it's a it's a, it's a great interview um <clears throat> going into a lot more detail on on some of these bits but um you're saying with your with your patreon you kind of you you really kind of draw a lot of the pages before kind of lining it up basically yeah yeah i try and keep at least like mm. 16 to 20 pages ahead of where it is on the website so the last like it's like i've been i've done like web comics for I suppose it's uh well webcom like story based web comics for us was coming up okay. on almost fifteen years now. Yeah. And like totally. the first thing you can do is miss an update. <laughs> so that's always like always been in the back of my mind is yeah. like always, always be prepared. <laughs> Gotta have a buffer. Yeah. Um, that's something I learned earlier. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um but, excellent. Yeah. Um, so going back to your zine interview, um, uh, what's the funniest comic or the comic that uh, made you laugh out loud the most? Right. Uh, this one, I suppose it's, it's going to reveal a, a really <laughs> childish sense of humour in me. But uh, it's a comic called um, The Man Who Couldn't Stop. And it's a Chester Brown comic. Um, it's in... If you wanted to read it, it was it. It's in like his Ed the Fun, Ed the Happy Clown book. Like it was originally in his Yummy Fur comics, but I can't remember the issue. But it's included in the, in like Ed the Happy Clown, and it's basically twelve panels of a guy <laughs> sitting on the toilet, and, and he's just kind of sitting there looking around, uh, doing his business. And in the last panel, he's like, huh, I can't seem to stop. <laughs> he just, he just can't seem, he can't, he's sitting on the toilet and he can't stop going to the toilet. And when I read it, I think I laughed for about 20 minutes nonstop. And it still makes me laugh now. The classics are always, uh, always humorous. Well, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, no, yeah. that's that's yeah. brilliant. And you you can totally look this up um, if you if you just Google it. Um, so the man who yeah. couldn't stop by Chester Brown and go check it out. Um, yeah, yeah, it's mm. uh, it's really funny. Um, just yeah, I suppose like it fits into like the context of like Ed the Happy Clown the story, um, but that's not required. Those twelve panels, which yeah or just like a great yeah. strip by itself um that's yeah. fantastic because i think if you if you were to like read more of the story where he where this ties into it it's like his um bump yeah. hole we'll see <laughs> keep it <laughs> reasonably clean uh this, this bum hole is like an interdimensional uh, wormhole yes. that things can go in and out of but for the purposes of those twelve panels, it's just like really, you can't stop. Okay, <laughs> stop. Can't stop. Uh, can't stop that feeling. Um, yeah, don't stop me now. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, yeah, please, please, please stop me now. <laughs> now, um, switching uh, gears and, and emotions. Uh, what's the saddest comic that you've read? Right. This is. Um... This was quite a, a difficult one to find the right thing for because I often find that the saddest things in comics or just in general, in me like media in general, I know it's an overblown, totally sad thing. Um I tend or tend to find it almost funny. I don't know if that says something about me. Um but the comic that I've picked for this is a bit from Wimbledon Green uh, by Seth. And this one is like The Death of Wilbur R. Webb. And um, it's, I suppose, like it's it's one that I could, I've picked that was sad, but in a way that 
I could recognize as being mm. if you know what I mean. Um, is it's like a guy who's someone that someone's someone who's into comics would get because like he's a guy who's just spent his entire life collecting comics and reading comics and that's all he's been interested in to the point where he's an old man and the only person that he knows or comes to his door is like the newspaper boy and when he ends up dying he gets visited by uh, Mr. Meteor who's a character in the comics that he reads and that's who like sort of takes him away and it's sort of sad and touching at the same time but also you kind of think um he's surrounded by all this printed matter that's um that's the only thing that's left to take him on his journey which it's sort of it's got that sort of sadness but with enough pathos in a ridiculous enough situation that it's also sad but also a little bit funny mm. and so yeah that's that's what I think. Incredible. And how how did you come across that one? Um, so it's just like it's in the it's in the comic Wimbledon Green, the greatest comic book collector in the world, from Seth. Yeah, yeah. But so sorry, uh, how did you come across that book specifically? Is it just because you're 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 a oh, fan of book. Seth? Or um, yeah, I'm a fan of Seth, but Seth. But I think this was actually the first one I his I picked up. Um. It was also, in fact, it was around the same time as I picked up the the book that made me think I should be doing more serious comics. Um, so it would have been early 2000s, I probably came across it. Um, and it was just in, the, in a Waterstones, I think, that I, I'd picked up. That's where I picked up all like the earlier graphic novels that I started getting into once I'd moved past yeah. humour comics. Ah, sounds like you've got a good water science near you then. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, it was good. It was one of the ones in Edinburgh. I think it was. I just like started a job in in Edinburgh, and so it's like, what am I going to do with my lunch? I'll go to the nearest bookshop, and then came across all these pretty good comics. Excellent, great. Now, um, changing gears once again. What's the scariest comic that you've read? Hey, this one were. Uh, changing uh, location a bit because like, I suppose the two that I've the ones that I've picked so far have been like uh, North American Canadian um, but I've picked uh, a comic called The Swamp by Yoshiharu Sugi which is a Japanese manga artist and he is uh, one of like the 60s, 70s alternative manga artists who were like in Garo magazine, uh, which was a which was a magazine like in Japan at the time. It was like collecting all these alternative alternative artists doing stuff that was a bit more different from the kind of thing they would have been in uh, whatever like the Shonen Jump at the time or the gag strips that would have been in the. Um, uh, the comics for kids, and so the idea was they were they were trying to play with the comic form to do something a bit more dramatic. And the book that I've got is uh, the Swamp by Yoshi Yoshiharu Sugi, and it's a collection of short stories. Uh, it just came came out like I think it was last year from Drawn and Quarterly. Mm. Um, and the comic that picked is a. I think it's a 12 page story um it's the title story the swamp and it's about a guy who is hunting in in the woods and he gets lost and comes across uh, a young woman who's beside the swamp and she picks up this bird that he shot down and he's like i don't know where i am um can you help me get back to the nearest town and she takes him back to his village, um, which you've actually noticed that this story has been a bit of an influence on Old Man Grey, <laughs> the <laughs> like, comic that I did recently. But it's uh, she's 
in this small village and she basically invites him to stay the night in his in her cabin um which is obviously like a um at the time it would be a bit of a taboo thing to be spending the night in the room of a young woman who you're not like married to yeah or even don't know at all but she's got something of the uncanniness about her like she's got these really strange eyes that like the guy's eyes are just like a normal dark manga looking eye but hers hers are like sort of white circles with a dot in the middle and it's obviously meant to look different and she's supposed to look strange and you're supposed to be uncomfortable with her and when they get into their room that she lets choke her during the night and you're it's just got this really weird atmosphere of strange stuff is going on and this guy doesn't know what to think and when they're all like asleep he notices like the this the snake in its cage watching him and for some reason that i don't know what it's supposed what it's supposed to be he rather than the snake choke the woman during the night he chokes the woman during the night but she doesn't she doesn't die it's more like she has uh like a a reaction with um sweat coming over her brow and everything and then he goes back to sleep and then it's morning and he gets up and the woman's being the girl's being chastised by one of the men in the village saying what do you let this guy stay in your room for and then and she just they just kind of the woman and the hunter guy it's kind of look at each other and then he leaves and then that's it that's the story and it may not it may not like sound particularly scary but the atmosphere that's created by it is just i was mm. riveted in a way that's just like i don't know what's happening here this is really off kilter to me and yeah yeah i thought it was great i thought um that was a really uh I don't know what the word is. It's, it's like it was really it's an it was an, it's an intense story to read. I yes. Felt. Yeah. And yeah, and kind of and a little bit scary and a little horrifying. Yeah. But um totally. And it, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Like it's it's all about yeah, the atmosphere and the feeling that you put the reader into. Um because of course it's a it's a black and white um, comic uh, manga, yeah, yeah. and uh, and also yeah, it is it is a manga, so you kind of got the <clears throat> the classic uh, manga character art. Um, so you might not necessarily kind of you know associate that with being scary, but as you say, like some of the things are really tense, and um, yeah, puts you puts you in a in a heightened state of kind of, I don't know, just being um, fearful, yeah, yeah, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> what it sounds to it. Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah it's, it's fantastic. A, it's a very, it's, it's definitely got a weird atmosphere to it that um, really grabbed me when I read it. That's brilliant. It's going to have to be um, one that I add to my reading pile. Um, that's fantastic. Um, cool. Uh, now, um, kind of moving on to my favourite question, and that is, what is your favourite cover? Right. Uh, I've I've picked a. I've actually picked two covers for this one. But, yeah. Um, I'll. I just, they're both by artists that I've talked about already. <laughs> uh, the first one is "It's a Good Life <laughs> If You Don't Weaken" by Seth. Now, I think there's actually been a, like a couple. There may have been a couple of different covers for this, but the one that 
I'm talking about today is um, I think probably the most well-known one. Um, it's the one that's kind of divided, the cover's divided into nine panels. Like the central mm. panel is just like, it's a good life, you don't weaken. It's, you know, a picture novella by Seth. And all the other ones are just taken up by different locations around the small town that he goes to visit, right, uh, in the second half of the story. Right. Excuse me. Um, and what I like about it is, well, one of the things I find interesting is a cover that um, will, like, that can divide itself up into different pictures and to build like a little atmosphere for the cover that also says something about the book mm. itself. Um, and what I like about this one is because like, Seth spends a lot of time walking around his old hometown and it's almost like you're walking around this is what you're this is what he saw when he was walking around and it's just like the little locations like a, a small hut that was in someone's garden or like the water tower from the town that um, you would walk past at night and the railway tracks and a small and the deli and yeah the <laughs> deli like the, the deli just locations around town and it kind of builds up a nice atmosphere of small town canada that yeah. i just really like as a and it's also really nicely designed i like the divided up panels and i like the that it's all kind of like grayscale and looks like it's been hand painted and yeah the, that's one that i really like that's no, really cool. It's nice. Yeah. I yeah. like it. And along like slightly similar theme of divide of a, of a cover that divide itself up, but in a different way, is the Little Man short strips by Chester Brown. And what the cover of this one does, it's like an extra comic, um, and the the first like short strip in the book is like a, a fairly like stupid comic idea of uh, a toilet paper revolt um as in like it's 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 kind of uh was it a comic that has a kind of like escape from new york vibe and, like, right. like the main character seems a bit like he's supposed to be a bit like say um snake skin and um but it's instead of uh like horrible monsters or something coming after him or um street punks or something it's uh it's basically rolls of toilet paper that have decided we're not going to be used to wipe your ass anymore uh silly humans <laughs> now let's strangle you with our rolls of toilet paper um and but bringing it back to the cover, the cover is a strip of Chester Brown sitting on the toilet, thinking about this idea and coming up with this idea and thinking, oh, this could be like a major graphic novel. And then slowly convincing, <laughs> realizing it's a stupid idea and saying, well, maybe it can make a good five, six page strip. And that's what it ends up with. And so I like that uh, the cover being an extra strip that also ties back to what's in the book. I think it's a really clever idea what to do. And um, yeah, that's, and it's also quite funny just reading through his thought process of coming up with a stupid mm. strip and then realizing it's stupid, but doing it anyway. <laughs> Excellent. That's the way to do it, isn't it? Feel the, feel the stupidity and do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Fantastic. Love it. Um, ah, that's really interesting. Excellent. Um, so um, moving on to our next question in the zine interview, yeah. uh, and that is what comic do you repeatedly read the most? Right. Um, I'm going to go back to some manga this time. And this is like a a series 
it's a reasonable length. It's like eleven volumes, which I suppose is uh, middling to short for some manga. But um, it's a comic. Co- it's a manga called "The Flowers of Evil" by Shuzo Oshimi. And what brings me back to reading it a lot is not necessarily the story, but the storytelling style. Um, the story is about uh, like a high school student who um, he's he sort of fancies the popular girl at school, but there's another girl at school who's a bit of a freak who takes an interest in him, and he over time he realizes that actually he's a bit of a freak too, and the story is about the relationship between the three of them and um, for the first part of the manga it's kind of like a tug of war between the two girls over this boy who is a bit of a nobody but so there's it's kind of strange why would they be going after him but anyway the that's what the story is for the first half of the book and it's an entertaining read for the first half but it's the second half that makes me that I come back and read more often because the storytelling style changes a lot as in like it becomes more reflective and slower paced maybe and certainly for longer periods towards like the end of the the series the style gets like decompressed quite a lot and it really like lingers on moments between characters or moments where um excuse me where uh, the characters are like thinking to themselves and you can kind of see what they're like it's a it's kind of gets become like quite an emotional story when you're really like made to laser in and focus on what these characters are feeling and thinking about and storytelling mm-hmm. style that really makes me go back and study it almost it's like hmm. i'm trying to tell stories like that myself in that kind of style that's got a bit of you're really getting down into the nitty-gritty of the emotions of the characters and so going back and reading that um is something that i go back to a lot that particular comic uh, he's got a really good decompressed style of storytelling. Fantastic. And it is, it's interesting when you keep on going back to something because you're trying to trying to understand it deeply, yeah. aren't you? Um, like exactly like how did that, you know, um, impact that bit of the story and yeah, <clears throat> how things kind of fit together. Yeah as well and then obviously trying to put that into your own work um in terms of you know trying to yeah be able to tie things together and 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 all sorts um so that's that's absolutely fantastic um so uh moving on to another of my favorite question and and that is what's the most meaningful comic to you right uh this is going back to this is the one that i was referencing earlier about um Picking it up in a in a Waterstones and deciding, actually, this is the kind of thing I should be doing. And it's The Iron Wagon by Jason, who is a Norwegian cartoonist, but like his English translated mm. work is done with primarily with Fantagraphics. In fact, I think it might all be with Fantagraphics. But um, The Iron Wagon is the first one of his books that I picked up. And it's it's a kind of murder mystery story, um, but told in a, in a in a style that's. If you know Jason's work, um, he works mostly with um, sort of animal like anthropomorphic animal characters, so like they've all just got like human bodies, but um, the main character in it's like a he's he's, he's a rabbit, and. Um, the, the detective in it, I think, is a cat, although it's 
a little hard to tell with the detective. I think it's I think he's supposed to be a cat, and like there's ducks and um, a bear. But what I like, what Darren Magan means to me is what it means for means to me for my like uh, cartooning journey. As in, like I wanted to, I read it and thought I could be doing this because um, the style is quite simple, and I like the fact that he's, mm-hmm. he uses like a, a a grid. Like he, this one is six panels, but um, it's more the fact that it's a grid rather than um, rather than the number of panels, and what this. Yeah. The story, it was quite a, a really well constructed mystery, um, which I later realized it wasn't actually Jason who wrote the story. It was like a, it's based on a, a novel by a Norwegian writer called Steen Riverton, which, as far as I know, is never actually translated right. into English, apart from by uh, Jason in this comic form. Yeah. Um, and this, as the story goes on, it's really well constructed, as in how um, you look at who the murderer is, but it's reasonably well disguised throughout, which I suppose might be kind of difficult to do in like a comic form, because like when the murder happens, you you're probably going to see something that might be identifying to a person. Or a character, um, mm. but it's yeah quite well. I, I was, I would. It's another one I would go back and, and read a lot, and look at how um, the pages were constructed, and how uh, I got a lot of stuff from it, like the amount of dialogue that should be in certain panels, and how much, um, and how and how like the the coloring would work with just like using a single color on black and white artwork which is something that i end up i i use that style quite a lot and the version that i have uh, the old version which was just contains the iron wagon itself um is in all the all the color in it is in red like a kind of dark, dark mm. burnt sienna which I think works really well with how, what the story is like. You know, it's a murder mystery. The color looks sort of like blood. Um, yeah. Um, but what I've, I find out later on, because it's also, the, the story is also included in like a collection called uh, What I Did, which contains like a, a few other of Jason's works. And they changed the coloring in that to blue. And it looks really off to me. Possibly because I originally right. read it in the red colouring, but it just looks weird, not right. So it, that when I saw that, that like really brought home to me that if you're doing it in a, like a single colour style, you've got to choose the colour right. Um, you've got to yeah. make sure it's a colour that fits the story. Um, so yeah, the what this yeah. The reason the comic means a lot to me is like what it meant for my own creative process rather than um something that connects to me personally deeply if that if you get what i mean yeah totally. yeah which might not might not be what you're looking for with the story i don't know uh, <laughs> totally totally yeah no it's um it's it's you know the meaningfulness is uh, is in the eye of the beholder, literally, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's um, it's fantastic, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting when you know maybe a publisher might make a choice against the creator's wishes or yeah. something, you know, like like that. I'm going to assume it was against Jason's wishes to change the color, but maybe it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be interesting to find out if if he approves of that yeah. or not, um, and uh, yeah, no, just as you said, like it just didn't sit right with you, um, 
and uh yeah you can just you can sense that immediately and that was a bad choice when they changed something that uh yeah originally came yeah. out in a certain style um this is this odd what do you do you know what have any thoughts as to why they would have changed um, it like that i don't know maybe it's just like maybe it's a cheaper color to print uh i don't know maybe uh, yeah. i suppose it's like a it may be like it's a there's like a blue but maybe it's specifically it might be a cyan color so that's mm. maybe it's it's the cyan's already like there in a normal cmyk coloring so yeah you don't need two colors to mix it who knows i would imagine yeah. it's probably a cost choice than a an aesthetic yeah. choice it can be can't it those sorts yeah. of things um but yeah, no, um, interesting. Uh, now, uh, moving on to uh, penultimate question, and that is, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I have no idea if this comic is underrated or not. <laughs> I just know that I can't believe people talking about <laughs> it, so I'm going to talk about it. Um, it's called Good Dog by Graham Chaffee. Yeah, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. And Right. It, I, it's a comic that, but thinking about it now, this might have been better for the um, comic that means most to you, something most to you, because it, it's a comic that I reread recently, and it hits a lot different now that I have a dog, because um, mm. it's about a dog that is it's a stray, and it's wandering around this town trying to find out where it fits in and it has like a heart gets chased away by a lot of the the humans who don't want a stray dog hanging around their place and eventually joins this pack and tries to like fit in there but it's it kind of like fits in for a while but you can tell it's he's got like he's not his heart's not fully in being in this pack like he wants like a human to take care of it and he takes the takes the dog takes the pack that he's with in an effort to sort of um like get curry favor with them and he gets them he takes them to this place where there's like chickens in a hen in like a hen coop and tries to get like the the gang in to you know build the um and they go they break in but they get discovered by the humans and the pack leader gets killed and then the pack kind of breaks up and the pack are all kind of like dispersed and the dog is back being like a stray again brutal and until eventually he goes back to the place where they broke into and they've decided that they need a a guard dog and they managed to communicate to the to him that he can stay and be their guard dog and so he finds his place and what like like when i say like hit differently now that i have a dog there's particularly having a dog having had a dog that kind of i know went through a hard time before it came to us and it feels like it's hopefully it feels like it's found its place now like our dog has found its place and so that's what got me thinking about what i was thinking towards the end of that and so thinking about my dog as i'm reading this about a, a good dog who eventually finds his place um so yeah actually this probably would have worked better for the last question but i also i never really hear folk talking about this comic so no, no, I'd, I'd never heard of it as well. So it can be uh, double trouble yeah. there um, for good dog, but uh, that's really nice. That is, um, it's it's nice to nice to have a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> for once. No, that's fantastic, and, and good to hear that. Yeah, you found you had a happy ending for for your own dog as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really nice. Um, now coming on to our last question in regards to comics, and that is, if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse. Which would it be? Right, I've 
had a like a, with like the this current apocalypse that we're going through, which is like the solar storm. Um, I think what was what's needed is stuff that's short and sharp, and you in the midst of trying to survive, you can have a look at something and it'll perk up, perky up with a bit of dark humor. And so I've picked The Far Side by Gary Larson. And we say like, I think everyone knows what a far side strip looks like. Um, mm. It's like the single panel with either a thought provoking gag or something that's a bit dark, like the, um, the ones that I particularly like in like The Far Side are the ones where animals are plotting against humans, like (laughs) cows um, and their friends, the farmers, and just observing them as animals rather than um, the humans observing the animals as the animals. Uh, It's like one of my favorite ones is uh, it's like some cows and they're in their barn and they've got a sort of diagram of a human that they're like marking up into the different parts of a human and the farmer comes in and sees them and the line underneath it is farmer brown froze in his tracks the cows stared wide-eyed back at him and somewhere off in the distance, a dog barked. And it's the the cows have got their anatomical diagram of a human in the same way that's divided up in the same way that, like, you know, the uh, horizontal view of a cow, and it's, like, divided up in haunches and uh, belly meat and, I don't know, um, but, yeah, this one's, like, a human, and it's, like, shoulder chops throw away spare throw away head, spare ribs. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of thing that I like in the far side. <laughs> and I think it would be a good one to, while you're trying to survive in the apocalypse, to just take out of your pocket, have a wee laugh, cheer yourself up. And yeah, yeah. And then back on your way, trying to survive and uh, cook your baked beans over your meager fire <laughs> that's fantastic i just uh came across well, i was just scrolling through um uh some of the far side uh panels and there's this one in particular where it's there's a there's a dog couple i don't know if you know you come across this one before and and the dog is sitting at the the male dog is sitting at the table um and he's He's saying another chicken leg bone. I think she's trying to kill me. And he's like, "It's a." He's opened a sandwich, and there's a chicken bone inside of yeah. it. It's just, it's funny. Oh, brilliant! Absolutely fantastic. Uh, excellent. Um, and then, along with uh, the Far Side by Gary Larson, uh, what weapon tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Right. Well, I've already got my uh, zine making kit uh, along yeah. with. And just looking at my zine making kit, I think I could do quite a lot of damage with uh, a steel rule, a craft knife, and a stapler. Um, so I think nice. I would use them as my weapons. And they would also my weapons of spreading the word of things through zines, <laughs> while also being able to sta- staple exactly. an attacker in the face. <laughs> on top of that as well that's fantastic um yeah. information is power totally yeah, exactly. um, yeah. fantastic uh, yeah exactly there you go fantastic uh well Stephen ingram thank you so much for sharing your comics with the apocalypse it's been a real pleasure thank you it's been it's been fun i've enjoyed it yeah. excellent and for the listeners one more time where can they find you online uh, you can find my work at my website is Stephen Ingram at Stephen with a V. I should clarify that. Stephen Ingram. Stephen. Not Step Hen. Not Step Hen. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's Stephen Ingram dot art from a website, and uh, on all the social medias, I'm at Stephen Ingram Art. And for Third Bear Press, for all your cool indie comics needs, that's uh, thirdbearpress.com. And it's at Third Bear Press on all your socials as well. Fantastic. And of course, all those links are in the show notes, folks. So go uh, forth to Stephen's uh, websites and social media and, and be sure to go through the catalogue um of books that uh third bear press have as well and then you said as well that you're going to be at thought bubble so really looking forward to to seeing you there Stephen. um and uh yeah hoping to see many uh comics for the apocalypse listeners there as well so make sure you come and say hello (laughs) yeah if you've listened say hello that'd be nice absolutely fantastic well Stephen, thanks again for your time today it's been a real pleasure and i look forward to seeing you at thought bubble see you soon bye Thanks again to Stephen for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it immediately know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Stephen's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.